During the golden age of video game arcades, chiptune, or 8-bit music, became a staple of gaming culture. The peak of chiptune took place in the 1980s, with people around the world humming their favorite video game tunes in their heads as they forked over all of their change to play at their favorite arcades. Before the days of orchestral soundtracks and AAA budgets, 8-bit was king. 8-bit music is named after the 8-bit sound processors that were used by the consoles of the day, like the Commodore 64 or Atari 2600. What makes it so interesting is that 8-bit songs were made by the computers themselves, rather than recording a song and then placing it into the game. The result was some of the quirkiest and most memorable synthesized electronic music ever made. Even though the computer chips used were only able to use a few different sounds and could only play a handful of notes at once. This was also before the days of huge AAA dev teams, so the small group of programmers that were in charge of making the game had to pull double duty and create the music for their games too. Considering how limited 8-bit was in terms of technology and staffing, it's pretty amazing to consider how iconic it became. 8-bit tunes are beautifully simplistic in that they don't include a mind-boggling number of sounds or a complex organization. Most video game songs of the 80s were so catchy because they were repetitive. Players heard the same thing over and over again because space was devoted to the actual game itself instead of the music. The result was hundreds of earworms that invaded arcades across the world and left gamers with unforgettable songs in their heads that made them fall in love more deeply with the games that they played. Another mark of chiptune is speed. You will be hard pressed to find an 8-bit song from the 80s that plays at anything lower than 100 beats per minute. That's okay though, because it was before the age of cinematics and most games were built around a fast-paced gameplay loop rather than elaborate cutscenes. Space Invaders, Pac-Man, and the like all revolved around twitchy movements and quick thinking, so the uber-fast songs that accompanied them were a perfect fit. Overall, 8-bit songs were a result of technological constraints, but it somehow worked. The simplistic nature, high speed, and high energy pitch of video game songs turned into a cultural phenomenon, and it's amazing to think such basic music laid the foundation for the popularity of the genre today. Taking modern songs and applying the 8-bit effect to them is one of the trendiest and quirkiest things that many YouTubers and artists do until this day, and it can't be understated how important the music was to the growth of gaming as a whole. Indie games still keep the retro vibe alive by employing 8-bit stylings to their soundtracks, and many devs still rely on the small work high reward opportunity that 8-bit offers. Jack Good, one of the senior artists at Bossa Studios, still finds inspiration in retro gaming music. He stated that, I find listening to songs from games that I love gets me pumped about what I'm working on. A possible reason is just the tempo of 8-bit soundtracks is really nice to work to. As they tend to have a loop and don't have a sense of what the player is doing at any one moment, they usually have a similar energy level throughout and can't crescendo. It kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat, and I find this keeps me focused on whatever I'm working on. It's quite clear that 8-bit's music impact is still felt in the gaming community, but let's place it within the broader context of the evolution of video game music. In the first video of this series, I discussed how much video game soundtracks have grown as a genre, and how it's finding its way into the orchestral season with the inclusion of Uematsu's work in symphony halls around the world. Well, that would not have been possible without the groundwork that was produced by Chiptune a few decades ago. John Wall, the music composer of Splinter Cell, Mass Effect, and Call of Duty fame, traces his current work back to his love for the music that he heard growing up in the 80s. He says that, Playing all those arcade games, I never even paid attention to the music. It just sounded like sounds to me. However, you know all the tunes. It's so funny. The bleeps and bloops, they kind of invade your brain. For Wall, the music was a part of the experience. 
Games didn't take themselves too seriously during those days, but without him experiencing that music and the games that he did while he was younger, he likely never would have crafted the masterpieces that he did with the soundtracks that he later produced. It was Chiptune that planted the seed. Another interesting thing to consider about 8-bit music is its psychological effect on gamers. Nowadays, it's pretty obvious that music is supposed to change our response to what we are playing. Just consider all of the trailers that you watched at this year's E3. They are mostly overly dramatic cinematic experiences that use over-the-top music to make their games feel like some video game equivalent of a Michael Bay film. Surprisingly, video game music of the 1980s did have a somewhat similar effect. According to video game composer Tommy Tallarico, if you remember in Space Invaders, you know, as the ships started to come down, the aliens, and as they got closer and closer, the sound got faster and faster. What the game programmers did was that they took the person's heart rate, and as they're getting closer and closer, people would start to panic. Now they do the same studies without the sound, and the people wouldn't panic as much. And it goes to show and prove how significant audio and music are. What Tellerico shows us is that retro video game music, while being limited by hardware, was still a huge part of making players feel something. This is an underappreciated aspect of 8-bit songs that are normally just thought of as a silly, happy-go-lucky melody to hum along to while you shoot lasers at something or jump on a Koopa Troopa. Something about the excitement of Chiptune and the style that it created was enjoyable, and people were absorbed in the games they played because of it, whether they knew it or not. Chiptune wasn't just a present in the 80s, though. It lived on and influenced music that followed it for many years. One example comes in the form of the Timbaland plagiarism controversy. The 2007 pop song Do It by Nelly Furtado actually features elements plagiarized from a song called Acid Jazzed Evening, which is a track composed by a Finnish chiptune artist. Timbaland, the song's producer, admitted to sampling the artist's work, but did not believe his usage constituted stealing. He even called the allegations ridiculous. Although users had noted the similarities between the two tracks on Finnish demo scene forums a few months prior, the Timbaland plagiarism controversy only attracted mainstream attention in January of the following year, when internet users posted videos to YouTube going after Timbaland for his plagiarism. There was also a rap song made during the early 2000s by the Coco Brothers that used the Mario soundtrack, but before you rush to the defense of your favorite denim-clad plumbers, consider this. The underworld theme from Super Mario Brothers is actually taken directly from a 1979 song called Let's Not Talk About It. The roots of chiptune run deep and far. The Legend of Zelda, Mario, Final Fantasy, Metal Gear, Metroid, and countless others all have incredible 8-bit soundtracks, and it's always fun to go back and enjoy the nostalgia. But it's important to understand the role of 8-bit in the evolution of video game history. Game developers were able to do so much with so very little to work with. Their hardware wasn't capable of creating complicated music or orchestral renditions, so they took something simple and made it incredible. Without the ingenuity and creativity of the teams that incorporated 8-bit into their work, gaming might not have even became as popular as it did, or it might have taken several more years for it to become a part of popular culture. The golden age of arcades was due, in large part, to the music that accompanied all of our beloved retro games. So let's 
take a step back to truly appreciate chiptune and the path that it paved for our favorite pastime. This video is part of my larger series about the evolution of video game soundtracks. If you're interested, be sure to watch the first video in the series that discusses the current state of the genre. And if you want to see more, then be on the lookout for my next video that will focus on the music of the 90s and the transition to more modern soundtracks. If you liked this video, be sure to share it. And as always, I'll see you guys on the next one.